This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. On the morning of February 5th, 2018, my wife slipped and fell in a patch of black ice on our driveway. She broke her wrist when she landed hard on her outstretched hand. In the hospital, the doctor set the broken bone back into position and placed a cast on my wife's wrist. She had to wear the cast for six to eight weeks, during which time she couldn't go to work or do regular household chores. My son was only seven months old at the time, so he required a lot of care. Even though I thought I could meet the challenge of keeping house during the day and going to work at night, I soon realized I was in way over my head. Two weeks later, we hired a nanny we really couldn't afford to help take care of my seven-month-old son, and my almost two-year-old daughter. As bad as those eight weeks were, financially and emotionally, the worst of it was seeing the longing in my wife's eyes whenever the nanny cradled our son to sleep. There were so many missed bonding moments between them. The eight weeks my wife spent in a wrist cast felt like forever. After the cast was off, my wife wore a black wrist brace for a few months, by this time, she had more mobility in her wrist and was back at work. When her wrist brace eventually came off, I took it to the gym one day and wore it. It had nothing to do with my wrist, of course, but everything to do with fitness fashion. The black wrist brace gave me gravitas. It screamed, Stand back, everyone. I've injured myself before and I'm not afraid to do it again. It's a testament to my intensity, so don't question my intensity. No one in the gym was questioning my intensity except me. So what started out as a function of gym aesthetics eventually became a function of comfort and protection. Protection from what? I have no idea, but I felt protected nevertheless. Wearing my wife's black wrist brace made me feel as ballsy as a leather-clad heavy metal god with a six-octave vocal range a la Rob Halford of Judas Priest and as strong as Iron Mike Sharp the Canadian pro wrestling superstar who was a mainstay in the WWF from 1983 to 1995. Sharp wore a black forearm brace supposedly meant to treat a real forearm injury he sustained early in his wrestling career that never quite healed. It's kind of hard to heal a forearm injury when you use the forearm brace to knock out your opponents. The word was, Sharp's brace was loaded with something heavy and hard, maybe even a piece of iron itself. Whatever was in it, sometimes it's better not to know. The forearm brace was a great wrestling gimmick. What was better than watching Sharp forearm smash a charging opponent was watching him adjusting the forearm brace moments before he used the iron hammer, the name of his finishing move, to end the match. He was really selling the loaded forearm theory making it seem like there was some thingamajig in the forearm that needed activation. Sharp wasn't very consistent with the forearm activation, though. Sometimes he'd twist a brace to one side or other, and it would appear activated. Other times he'd push the brace up, and it appeared activated. I think there were also times when he wouldn't activate the brace at all, as if he'd figured out a way to keep the brace weaponized at all times. Although the six foot four, two hundred and forty pound sharp wasn't as chiseled as, say, an Ivan Putsky or superstar Billy Graham, 
His hulking figure was still quite imposing and well-conditioned. Serious about his physical conditioning, Sharp was rumored to run through a vigorous regimen of calisthenics before and after his matches, hooping and hollering up and down empty arena stairways the way he hooped and hollered in the ring. Sharp's loud grunting and yelling during matches rivaled any of those in tennis, prompting any number of irked fans to grunt right back at him. As irritating as those mocking grunts were for Sharp, nothing, and I mean nothing, pissed him off as much as when fans chanted wimp at him. It drove him crazy. Sometimes the chants were so loud, Sharp would make his ring entrance with his hands over his ears. At the end of one entertaining match with one baby-faced jobber named Jose Luis Rivera, Sharp was so incensed by the wimp chants, he ripped the ring microphone from the announcer to tell the wild Philadelphia Spectrum fans in attendance... Short and to the point, but man, did it rile up that Philadelphia audience. Sharp really knew how to egg on a crowd. If, as commonly said, the camera adds 10 pounds to the photographed face, then the leather forearm brace Mike Sharp wore must have added 20 pounds of girth to his already super thick arms. The forearm brace I borrowed from my wife made my arm feel dense and somewhat enhanced as if My mediocre human arm was replaced by a robotic prosthetic. This, of course, was a throwback fantasy to the many childhood hours I spent watching The Six Million Dollar Man. The brace was the closest I'd ever get to feeling like Steve Austin, the bionic man, not the wrestler. Silly fantasy, I know, but probably more common than you'd think. I love the idea of humans and machines working interdependently toward one shared goal neither could have reached alone. It's the reason I agreed to organ donation on the back of my driver's license, adding the donation of my brain to the fill-in section so I could have a second life on Earth as a cyborg. Uh, and, uh, yeah, also to help other people who need organs to live. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm trying to stave off death as long as possible, but until that day arrives... My cybernetic dream will have to play out via a foam-padded mesh material forearm brace I borrowed from my wife. It's the only way to feel like I have enhanced human abilities. Pathetic, I know. Who knows if Iron Mike Sharp was into the symbiotic partnership of humans and machines and the enhancement inherent in it, or just the raw feeling of power the excess poundage on his forearm gave him. Either way, he knew how to wield a leather brace to good effect, riling crowds to no end, and beefing his image up to enhancement talent, a term that had more to do with the enhancement of the people he wrestled than his own. Yes, after his initial meteoric rise to top contender status in the WWF, Mike Sharp quickly became a heel jobber who lost a lot more matches than he won. There weren't a lot of heel jobbers out there that I can remember. Some of the standouts were Barry Horowitz, the Brooklyn Brawler, a.k.a. Steve Lombardi, and Lanny Poffo, Randy Savage's brother, when Lanny Poffo was billed as the genius. But among them, there was only one, Mike Sharp. 
Maybe it was the flair he brought to his matches, the heat he drew from the audience and his willingness to give it his all in the ring, to make a baby face a contender that made Sharp more than just a jobber. Like it or not, somebody has to lose. Sharp was that guy, but he wasn't a slouch. He wasn't in the ring to be steamrolled. He wasn't there to be beaten up like a rag doll. He was there to be competitive, there to get ugly. That takes talent and a lot of selflessness, especially when you know you're a lot better than that. It's a dirty job, but like I said before, somebody has to do it. And that's another thing Mike Sharp wasn't. Dirty. One of the most prevalent rumors about Iron Mike Sharp was about his penchant for physical cleanliness. Every wrestler that shoots about Sharp mentions the hours Sharp spent in his backstage showers after his matches, including the time he was locked up in an arena overnight when he didn't get out of the shower quick enough. As amusing as that anecdote is, it's also very sad when you consider the obsessive-compulsive nature of Sharp's penchant for cleanliness. Some of the obsessive-compulsive behavior probably extended to the uniformity of Sharp's ring attire. He's always wearing black trunks, black boots, and a white wrist strap on his left arm. And, of course, the same black leather forearm brace. The sameness of Sharp's attire imprinted itself in my brain so deeply that he looked stark naked the day I saw a photo of him without the brace on his right arm. It was a crazy effect, but knowing about his obsessive-compulsive behavior explains the monotony. Another thing about Mike Sharp that remained unchanged throughout his career was his thick turf of curly hair. It may have looked like a bad-fitting toupee, but it was definitely his real hair. With his shock of curly dark locks, his monochromatic ring wear, and his hulking figure, Sharp looked like a wrestler from another place and time. Add a walrus mustache to him, and the man would have looked perfectly natural in a sepia-toned photo circa the 1900s. This is not to disparage Sharp, but to say he was utterly classic, utterly timeless. And that's a good way to be remembered. Iron Mike Sharp died on January 17, 2016. He was 64 years old. His health declined after a landscaping accident in Hamilton, Canada, his hometown. Word is, he died alone in his basement. The leather brace he wore may have been a gimmick, but Mike Sharp wasn't. Gimmicks grow tiring and have no intrinsic value other than the value we bring to them as human beings. Mike Sharp infused the forearm brace he wore and used it to devastating effect with every ounce of grit, girth, and gruffness he possessed making the brace a part of him, not just some throwaway novelty. Mike Sharp and his brace were one, forever melded to each other, forever melded to my mind. Some injuries are better left unhealed.
Long live Canada's greatest athlete. P.S. My wife's wrist has never been better. You've been listening to Wrestling with Heels On. Join me next time as we take another trip down Villainy Lane. Only on the Sports History Network. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.